evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live. Yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. Y'all, um, straight up, I'm going to go straight to Richmond right now. All the folks over in East Indiana, my hearts and thoughts and prayers are going out to you guys. KXAN.com reports, evacuation orders have been issued for those living near a roaring industrial fire in Indiana that sent massive clouds of black smoke into the sky on Tuesday. The fire broke out at an industrial site in Richmond near the Ohio border that lately had been used to store plastic and other materials for recycling or resale, Mayor Dave Snow said. They were under a city order to clean up and remediate the site, Snow told the Associated Press. We knew that was a fire hazard the way they were storing materials. Residents within a half mile of the fire are asked to evacuate by the Wayne County Emergency Management Agency. Those further than a half mile from the fire were encouraged to shelter in place. As of 9 p.m. yesterday, Wayne County EMA said that over 2,000 people have evacuated the area. The fire is expected to burn a few days, said Steve Jones. The smoke is definitely toxic. That's what Steve Jones says, the Indiana fire marshal on the scene. Guys, you know, apparently this particular business had been warned about cleaning up their act. They did not. Now, residents of Richmond are bearing the brunt. They said that this fire could roar over into the weekend. I don't know what the plans are to help our fellow neighbors out, but if you guys know of anything that's going on around the state that we can do to help the the city of Richmond, and the community that is going to be struggling out there, the colleges that are out there, whatever we need to do, let's find out how we can help our fellow Hoosiers who are now dealing with toxic air, toxic water, ain't no telling what's happening to folks in their homes. And I heard that there could be asbestos in the building. This is just a really, really bad situation for our fellow Hoosiers. So we need to get on the stick and see if we can help each other out on that one. So if you guys know of anything that you got that anybody is doing to help the residents of Richmond out, please let me know so that I can share that information and roll up my sleeves and help as well. This is what we're supposed to be doing, y'all. We're supposed to take care of each other. Uh, when businesses don't, it's our job to do that. All right. The Indy Star reports. Indiana state Republicans unveiled their $43.3 million two-year state budget proposal Thursday, which attempts to rein in House budget proposal related to private school voucher expansions and income tax cuts while it adds funding for mental health and a proposal to let charter schools share in public school property tax revenue. The Appropriations Committee approved the spending plan 10 to 2, and it now heads to the Senate floor where other senators can propose amendments. Later, the House and Senate will negotiate a final version of the budget. By that point, they'll have update state revenue forecasts to consider, which could dramatically shift things, which is is coming out April 19th. I need y'all to understand some things, y'all. They want to tax you and then give your money away to private organizations. That's what school vouchers are. They tax you, take your money, and give it to for-profit organizations when it comes to our schools. We know this budget is going to pass because we just don't have enough votes in the state house. Hopefully it doesn't do too much damage to our communities because we really can't stop it. 
until we decide that we want to get engaged and be truly involved next next year in the political process, we cannot stop any bills in that state house. And some of those bills are really, really scary. For example, WDRB.com reports Indiana lawmakers gave final approval Tuesday to a Republican-backed proposal that required voters to submit more identification information to obtain a mail-in ballot, rejecting arguments that the tougher rules will make voting more difficult for many people. Indiana House members voted 64 to 30 along party lines in favor of the bill previously endorsed by the Senate. The vote sends the bill to Republican Governor Eric Holcomb for his consideration. Approval of the tighter mail-in voting rules comes after previous attempts failed the past two years in the Republican-dominated legislature. Even as former Republican Donald Trump, I'm not even saying his name, and many of his supporters stoked false claims that fraud led to his 2020 election defeat. We know that ain't true. The bill, which would require Indiana voters submitting a paper application for a mail ballot to include a photocopy of a government-issued identification card or at least two ID numbers, such as their 10-digit driver's license or the last four digits of their social security number. I don't know about you, but I'm really not trying to mail in my social security number. Bill sponsor Republican Representative Tim Wesco has maintained the step was aimed to increasing voter confidence in elections by putting identification requirements for mail-in ballots in line with those for in-person voting. The changes will take effect July 1st and be required for mail-in ballots cast in this fall's city and town elections around the state. Democratic Representative Tanya Path of Terre Haute said she believed it was unnecessary to make it more difficult for older voters and those in military to cast ballots by mail. It won't make elections safer and only serves to hamper democracy, Tanya said. Voting rights groups argue that the stricter ID requirements aren't necessary because the county election workers already must confirm that the person's signature on the application matches their voter registration record. But none of this mattered to Tim Wesco. No, 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 no. He wants to make it harder for you to vote. When it makes it harder for you to vote, that means it's going to be less people showing up to the polls. And that means when people don't show up, Republicans win. Y'all, we have got to stop this trend. We have got to show up. I need y'all to understand. Also, Fox59.com reports a new bill unanimously, unanimously passed in the Indiana, uh, passed by Indiana Republicans and Democrats alike, will prohibit cops from lying to children as part of interrogation efforts to secure confessions. Y'all remember the the Central Park Nine or Five? Now the Exonerated Five. Why would I don't even understand why anybody with any type of ethics at all would be lying to children? They're children. I thought we were supposed to be protecting children. We don't want Drag Queen Story Hour, so we want to protect children. But we will allow law enforcement agencies to lie to children. I need you to understand this has been going on. The Senate Bill 415 passed through the Indiana Senate on Monday with a 48-0 vote after previously making its round through both House and Senate. The bill will now be sent to Eric Holcomb's desk. Hopefully they will get this taken care of. Law enforcement officers, stop lying to people. Stop lying, period. We don't pay you to lie, but y'all do it anyway. Y'all do it anyway. Now we're telling you, okay, at least if they're 18 and under, you can't lie on them. Hopefully it's 18 and under. I didn't see any age. I didn't see if they said minors. Protecting our children includes protecting them. Interactions with law enforcement, said Senator Rodney Paul of Chesterton, who authored the bill. 
The Corrections Committee heard expert testimony that explained how children can be easily influenced in these settings, especially when provided with false information. While I don't believe that law enforcement <clears throat> frequently engages in <clears throat> providing false information, I think they do to children. Anytime it takes, it does happen, it's harmful to children. So this is a good bill. Stop lying to kids, y'all. Just stop lying. I don't even understand why y'all doing that. All right, NorthwestTimes.com reports is now up to Republican Governor Eric Holcomb to decide whether Indiana will join Illinois and other states that use camera enforcement to ticket motorists exceeding the speed limit in highway work zones. The Republican-controlled General Assembly gave final approval Tuesday to House Enrolled Act 1015, sponsored by LaPorte County Rep. Jim Pressel. Supporters of the measure claim speed camera enforcement will improve work zone safety, though speeding in work zones is actually would be more tolerated if the person proposal become, becomes law. Indiana speed cameras wouldn't even click a photo until the motorist exceeds the reduced speed limit at least 11 miles per hour. Speeding motorists also would get off with a warning for a first violation, a $75 fine for the second, $150 fine for each subsequent violation with no risk are losing their driver's license. So if you got some money to throw away, lead footers, I know the, those of you that live in Indianapolis, I know y'all living in Indianapolis, y'all be like, woo, we, we used to driving fast. Nope, you better slow down. Yeah, best, best, best slow down. All right, I had one more, but I lost it. So that's my rant. <laughs> I still think it's a problem that people are lying to kids, interrogating kids and giving them false information. It must be a, you know, Rod, Senator Paul is an attorney, so I know he knows what he's seeing and what he's been seeing. So, y'all, that's my rant. If you can, send me information about what's happening in Richmond. Send some positive vibe to our Democrats in the State House. They've had a rough, rough session. I saw Shelly Yoder uh, last week after session ended on, on Thursday. I left after the show and drove down to Bloomington for their Monroe County party event. And she's hanging in there, y'all. She is being a trooper. And I say that to all my senators. Senator Bro was up in the business this week as well. Guys, they're fighting for us, but we got to send them some help next year. So if you aren't on the ballot this year and you don't get elected, please, please, please consider running for election next year. We have got to get rid of that supermajority. You see what's happening down in Florida. It can happen here because we just don't have enough people to stop bad legislation. All right. Help help us. Let's, we are the help we looking for. Do y'all understand that? We are the help. We are the people that can fix this. Nobody else is going to fix this for us. We have to stand up and fight for our communities because they won't. They won't. It's my rant. Today's show is brought to you by Bohm's Unique Boutique. Click on the QR code. And for all Turn Left listeners, you can get a 10% discount on your order by using the code DEMOCRAT. Be sure to visit www.bohmsuniqueboutique.com. All right, guys. Hey, I, I love uh, Bohm's Unique Boutique, our sponsor for Turn Left. I'm super excited about having a sponsor. If you want to become a sponsor on Turn Left, holla at your girl. I'll share your information out. You know me. I, I know a few people. I know a few. I can share your information out. But to all my candidates out there, you know, it's crunch time. Have you reached out to me for your digital content yet? Have you reached out to me yet? 
Indiana's own Dana Black, I am providing the communication wraparound services any Democratic organization needs, no matter the size or budget. Indiana's own has you covered from audio and video to digital content. I can even fix your computer if you need me to. That's that's the kind of IT chick I am. So holla at your girl and scan that Q or you know, scan the QR code, reach out to me, and I'm certain I can produce some uh content for you all right let me get to my guest so monroe gray was supposed to be here yeah he's not here sorry didn't happen i wish monroe gray the best uh good luck to you man but don't matter i got a guest got a guest y'all i had the opportunity to meet this young lady when she was signing up for act blue i got to hear her story got to hear why she was running but of course, everybody that appears on turn left during the primary season, I do not endorse. But I was really excited because I'm going to let her tell you. Y'all, welcome to the show. All the way from South Bend, running for South Bend City Clerk, yes, Bi yes. Bianca Tirado. Did I say that right? You did. Tirado. All right. All right. That's See, right. I, I was a little <laughs> nervous. I wasn't sure if I was going to get it right. No, you got it right. You nailed it. You nailed it. That's what's up. That's what's up. So tell the people who you are and where you come from. Absolutely. Um, I'm so I'm Bianca Torado, running for South Bend City Clerk, and I'm from South Bend, Indiana. And I was raised in South Bend, originally from Chicago, but I grew up here. And I'm a Hoosier through and through. Um, went did my undergrad at IU Bloomington. Uh, came back home, and did my master's at Notre Dame and made my way to public service. So I'm definitely in my community, came back home, wanted to serve and, and, and run for office surprisingly. Yes. I love it. I love it. So what made you, I mean, come on, what did you major in in college? Yeah. So when I was at IU, I majored in African-American studies, African diaspora studies, and I really wanted to, you know, we hear in history classes about Black History Month. We only hear about our history during Black History Month. And so I wanted my experience at IU Bloomington to be a Black experience. And so I wanted to be able to tell our story and to That's continue to tell our story and That's work with our Black families and take that, that information back to South Bend and work with our community. And so I minored in human development, family studies as well, because I like people and I wanted to work with people and came back home and worked in higher ed and worked in Africana studies at Notre Dame and really focused on curriculum building on, on the academia side and then got into teaching. And then a position later on down the, down the road came up for um, uh, politics and politics for deputy city clerk uh, under previous clerk Karima Fowler. And I took the position in 2017 and that was my entryway into public service and um, haven't left. I, I love it. I mean, I anytime. Left. Right? And it's so cool to be, to be completely engaged. But yes, I mean, yes. it's one thing to work in the office, right? Oh, yes. It's another Say thing again. to lead the office. Yes. So yes. tell us about your leadership style. So. During my time within uh, the city clerk's office, I was deputy director of policy, and then I eventually transitioned into chief deputy chief of staff. And
And so my leadership style is very hands-on um, because you want to be able, because the city clerk's office is an office all about processes and procedures, and you have to follow state laws. And you have to have individuals in the office that one, can be trained to do the job and work with our residents because that is who we serve. And so my leadership style is very hands-on, very empathetic, you know, very, because um, you're going to meet residents from all different places, right? And you have to be sure that your staff is prepared to handle any type of situation. Um, but not only that, working with council members, so relational, building relationships, the city clerk, the city clerk's office is all about relationships. And so having a good relationship with our mayor and administration and the common council is crucial to run. It's crucial to executing the duties and running an efficient office. I like all those answers. Yes, yes, yes. I like all those answers. That's, that is wonderful. So, you know, I ran down a few bills that are happening at the state house. I know f from a clerk's perspective, you don't mm -hmm. actually write policy. But it, was there anything uh, in my rant that uh, piqued your interest? Because I like to get a feel for the folks and what they thinking. Absolutely. So was there anything that, you know, piqued your interest? So I think right now, a lot of issues that are going on that we're dealing with on the local stands is mental health issues. And, and making sure that that is not stripped from our residents, like the resources and the help. And... You know, a lot of what happens at the state level affects the local level and it kind of trickles down. And yeah. so when funding is stripped from, you know, when, when funding is stripped from the state in that sense, it trickles down to us and we have to watch our residents suffer in a sense. And so it's not, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's not a good time. It's not a good time. So we, Again, it's like, although we don't write the policy, but the policy affects, the city clerk doesn't necessarily write policy. Now I have written policy. I've assisted our council members in writing policy, but you know, hey, you know, that's, that's what some of us do, right? But at the end of the day, we, we have to enforce the policy. And so, although the bills that are happening at the state, yes, we don't necessarily pass or it doesn't have an effect with our council, but we do need to be aware of it so we can educate, so we can engage our residents in what's happening and how to get them involved in the local government process. I think that's, I think that is so key because a, a lot of uh, the reason why we are in the pickle that we are in is because people don't mm -hmm. believe that their vote matters. They don't believe that their voice matters, but when they don't show up, they, them not showing up definitely matters, right? Oh, that is, that is, I, I can't preach that enough. Say that again for the people in the back. Say <laughs> because, it again, y'all. <laughs> because with our council meetings, it is so crucial for our residents to use their voice. I mean, your your voice your voice and your vote matters because the we work for you, right? So the council works for you, the mayor works for you, the city clerk office works for you. And so you have that time under privilege of the floor get three minutes and use your voice and I tell our residents who of course have concerns about you know the city come to the council meetings know who your council members are you have that right you need to exercise that right and and we will listen because we have to that's what 
they get paid to do, right? Um, so it's Absolutely. so important, so important. Absolutely. And and the crazy part is when we don't show up and we don't take a stand, mm -hmm. we have bills like 480 that pass, which basically tells parents they can't do what they need to do for their trans kids. And speaking of LGBTQ plus folk, uh, talk to us a little bit about how you feel about the family. <laughs> well, as a, my wife and I have been together for 11 years. And we just got married hey. um, last year um, in October. And, you know, we are, it, it, you know, this bill definitely affects our community because no one should be able to tell you what to do with your child. Say it again. And so the fact that, again, we're running into a situation where, you know, our bodies are being controlled and what have you, it's just not, it's just not right. So how do we exercise our voice and protect our voice at the state house again? So I'm very much, we, Pam and I are very much a part of the LGBT community and we, we believe in our rights and we want to advocate for our families that cannot. You know, if you were to win the selection and become the South Bend city clerk, if you were to win and become the South Bend City Clerk, you would be only the second black LGBTQ plus woman to in elected office in the entire state. Wow. Nicole Bolden, the Honorable Nicole yeah. Bolden, my girlfriend. Shout out to Nicole. Mm, my girlfriend. <laughs> is the only one she wants some company but I, I stay neutral stay neutral i just think that uh representation matters we talk about that all the time right. when we're talking about um, um the black community and the latino community but it is the same thing with the rainbow community we have to Absolutely. be in positions of of decision making for us to impact our community as well as being the activist industry we got to take that street activism and turn that into policy making so i i am excited what did it make you nervous um, at all, because I know Nicole, Nicole just don't care, right? So I got to ask you stuff that she won't answer. Uh, what, what did, were you nervous at all about being an out candidate? I was not. I mean, the one thing about me is that I am very confident and comfortable in my skin. And when, when I decided to come out to my family, I said that I wasn't going to hide it. And I wasn't going to hide it in any aspect of my life. And so, and that was, that, that was a deal breaker for Pam <laughs> as well. You know, we, we were like, we're going to be out. We're going to be proud of who we are and we're not going to let people's opinions affect what we do. We're going to do us and we're going to do it well and we're going to represent our community. And so Pam and I, we are a force to be reckoned with and, you know, we, you know, it's, even in in the black community, we are we are we are seen. We are proud of who we are, and you can't let nobody else tell your story and tell you what you're gonna do or what you're not gonna do. See, so with that, we are we are out here. We are supportive of our family, and especially our LGBTQ family, and we advocate. That's who we are. I love it. And, you know, I, I love the the aspect of having, again, more elected queer folk uh, in office. Yeah. Make sure you apply for that Indiana Stonewall 
endorsement make sure you put your uh, application right. in when that when that opens up because um you'll definitely want to get that kind of help from our lgbtq plus community all right let's talk about some things that are going on in the south bend area what's happening yeah. up there what's what's people up in arms about what's going on talk to your girl so we we have a we have a big election coming up and i'm i'm the i'm i'm a new candidate on the ballot and um, it is my first time running. And so what was very inspiring for me to run in this election was being a part of Who's Your Woman Forward. Hey, HWF. Yes, class two, right, yes. And I didn't necessarily believe during the process of Who's Your Woman Forward when they said, it'll take a woman 11 to 15 times to be asked to run. And I was like, I'm a behind the scenes person. I'm a behind the scenes person. Mm -hmm. And it took that long for me to realize that I have the experience, I've been doing the job and I'm gonna run. And it is very different being on the other side, I will say. But I have so much support from our local, our local officials. Um, I've been endorsed by majority of the council and by our mayor who has just stood behind me and supported me. And I'm so appreciative of that. But this is a very big election because as we saw in the county, um, it turned red. And so that has, you know, that's not, that's never really happened. And we are, we are fighting here for it to stay a blue city. And, you know, we are trying to, we're doing the work and we're working hard, but we need to win this primary. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I know that you're putting the work in um, because this is a unique situation and I'm going to talk about it. Uh, I usually, you know, try to keep everything because I, I love all my Democrats. That's why I don't endorse anybody in the primary. Yes. But this is unique. You have two black women running for the seat. Yes. And I, I know that y'all right now are running against each other. But that is powerful and impactful. I, I know running for office and having an opponent is difficult, but can we just tip the hat to both you and her for just a moment to say we have Absolutely. two qualified black women running for the same seat and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And that is, this is, this is where the voter engagement process is so important because this gives voters opportunity to decide and make a choice for what they want to see and shout out to city clerk don jones um as well who i served under her for four years but we have that choice and that is exercising our voice to to make a decision about who we want in office and that's okay so I yes I absolutely mean, white dudes been running against each other forever exactly exactly and also i mean in South Bend, that has been, you know, some, we've had some conversations about that, two black women running against each other, but why not, right? Because as you said, it happens all the time. Yeah. And, and may the best individual win at the end of the Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Know our feeling. Absolutely. Because yes. you know what, in my opinion, iron sharpens iron. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, first of all, you got, you know, people always have always said that black women were at the bottom of the totem pole but i like to say we was holding that bad boy up because our backs are strong and if y'all want to find out how to get out from under all of this MAGA nonsense go talk to black women we help you out we know how to deal with stupid yeah we, know we are to... true organizers and we will get the job done because we know and, how and not just that we ain't scared to tell them 
You know, did you, I think sometimes we have to, I know me personally, I have to rein it in at times and I have to remember you can't actually call people stupid, but I, I mean, I, I just think there's something spectacular about being a black woman and having the ability to see who, what we've been through and knowing that we can be the guiding light to those that have never experienced what we've experienced and how to come through it. So we have an extra added advantage and South Bend is super duper lucky um, to have two amazing black women running for that office. And that's all I'm going to say about her because this is your show. So <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm, I'm proud to be a black woman on the ballot. And I think that, uh, it's so important to have representation in local government because even though people think that it's local government and it doesn't matter, it does because it's the most meaningful impact to our residents. And residents can be so much a part of the process any, than anywhere else. And I'm proud. I'm proud to be I on the ballot. Well, you should be proud because you out here doing the thing. So tell us, Indiana's on Dana Black. Yes, I'm talking to South Bend, a candidate for city clerk, Bianca Tirado. I'm telling you, she's a rainbow warrior. Welcoming her to the rainbow warrior team. Yes, and, you yes, know, yes. you know, we at Stonewall, we we finna come get you. Just just know no matter what you, happens please. in the election, <laughs> your yes. work ain't over. It's not. It's never over. We coming for you. Uh, all yes. right, let me do this. Uh, add one more again for Bohm's Unique Boutique. We'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Bohm's Unique Boutique. Click on the QR code. And for all Turn Left listeners, you can get a 10% discount on your order by using the code DEMOCRAT. Be sure to visit www.bohmsuniqueboutique.com. All right, all right. Okay, so talk about what it's what the clerk's role is um, for the, the listeners who don't know, um, so that they get an idea that you understand what the what the office is and um, what it's supposed to do. Absolutely. So the city clerk is the administrative arm to the common council, and we have nine council members. And the purpose of the city clerk is to be the liaison between the common council and the mayor and their administration. Along with that is just being a first stop for the residents, um, serving our residents by making policy transparent. In that sense, the city clerk is the, is the governing body to all of the legislation that has been passed in our city. And so how do, so the biggest question is when residents come into the office, if they have questions about the bills, if they have questions about minutes or any reports, it is the city clerk's responsibility to make that transparent to them and explain that information to them. And so in a nutshell, that is that is what the city the city clerk does. Are there any uh, other like wraparound services that your particular office offers to uh, constituents? Absolutely. So we definitely are we are an office where we provide services for administration. So we take the filings of the bills and our filings are on the first and third Wednesdays. And we work with our local businesses and petitioners to file those bills. And so in addition to all the other services that we provide, the biggest, one of the biggest we do are the council meetings. And so our council meetings are every second and fourth Monday. 
um, in the county city building, and it is our responsibility to see that process fully through and turn the bills into legislation. And along with that, we also make those bills public to um, to our residents so that they can access those those services. Um, and we, you know, we provide inclusive. We, the goal is for us to also provide inclusive services um, to those who are not able to make the meetings. And so that's why we record the meeting so we can share that with residents at a later time. That's kind of cool. You you said you worked in the office. What kind of things do constituents typically ask you about? So the biggest thing that our constituents will come to us for is on the administrative side, where to go to, if they need help with a water bill, if they need help with animal care, animal control, um, picking up their trash, uh, building services, those sorts of things. From the council side, the biggest, one of the biggest things is just connecting them to their council members. Um, each resident has four council members and they don't know that. You have three at-large members and you have your district council members. So you should be able to, and, you, and any resident at any time should be able to get an answer from them, regardless of what it is. And so um, the other thing that you know, the city clerk does is going to the neighborhoods to talk to um, the neighborhood associations about what's going on in their community and what would they like to see. Um, we involve our residents in the budget process. The city clerk's responsibility is to make the budget transparent to the residents, telling them what's on the budget, where the money is being allocated, and keeping those past budgets relevant so that at any time it can be accessed by the council and our residents. So why, I mean, working in the office is one thing. It doesn't re require mm -hmm. the, re you know, the, the level of responsibility and scrutiny. I know that you said that you were down with public service, but what made you decide to run the office? So being in the office for five years and, and being in the positions that I served, I was, I have, at, at that point where I was, I was at, the highest you could be without running. And running for me was different because I wasn't, I'm not a politician, I'm a servant. And I, I woke up and I wanted to go to work every day. I wanted to be in the office. I love our residents. And it, it, is an, it has been an honor to serve our council. And I, I wanted to run because I knew that the work that I was doing is with making a difference in my community. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I put my name in the hat and I put my name on the ballot because I'm doing the job and I know that I will continue to do it to the highest capacity of all. And to have the support of the mayor and our common council has been very rewarding as well because they too not only have, not only can they say we, we know that she can do this job, we have seen her do this job. And so that has been, it's at that, at that point, there's nothing to it but to do it, right? <laughs> so um, and it's, and, and it's, and it's, very, it's very different being from behind the scenes and being up front. Because when you are up front, you open yourselves up to vulnerability and all the things. But at the end of the day, there is one thing that I am sure that I am confident in the job. And so that has helped me get through a lot of the hurdles of being a candidate, especially a first time candidate and a woman of color candidate. 
don't forget, don't forget that you're a rainbow yeah. warrior candidate too. And exactly, a rainbow warrior. Let's look that again. First time candidate, black woman, rainbow warrior. So yes, I mean all the all the hurdles of of getting over that, just being confident in the job and knowing the job has very much helped me get to this point in the campaign. I love that, and sometimes it does take us. I mean, everybody, um, everybody's maturation point is different but eventually mm -hmm. you got there and and you know what i enjoyed being a candidate i think i'm still a candidate even though i'm not running for an office right i <laughs> love talking to the people i love engaging with constituents what has been the uh, most exciting thing for you being a first-time candidate support and canvassing and talking to residents about what they want to hear because you never know the 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 rewarding thing about working with residents is that you don't know what you're going to get, right? And so the the big one of my biggest focus points in this election has been voter engagement because, as you know, Indiana has low turnout. And we want our we want our residents to show up, you know, at the voting polls. And so we can't expect them to come to us. We have to go to them. And I've been knocking on doors and talking to residents and just understanding what they want to see and engaging them in what the city clerk's office does. Because the city clerk's office, you should never hear about it in the media. You should never hear about it in the news unless it's good. And so we've been trying to, we've had some, we've had some of those things in the news and et cetera, but educating residents about my experience and what I bring to the table. And residents want to see an engaging public servant. They want to be able to come to you and ask questions and not have this mask on. Like, who are you? Like, at the end of the day, I'm a resident too. And so I'm a working resident and I want to see, I'm running for the same reasons of what my residents want to see. They want to see someone honest. They want to see someone doing the job. And not only that, that knows how to get along with their council and their mayor, because that is what gets the job done at the end of the day. Absolutely, because people don't realize you're the uh, second highest citywide elected official in your city being yep. the city clerk and having that relationship with the mayor, I think, is critical. And and it's I, I'm kind of at a, an advantage because I've watched Nicole do it um, mm -hmm. and what her relationship is like with Mayor Hamilton. They don't yep. always agree. But but they have like a, a, a positive relationship so that they can work together to get things done. Right. And what that, too, is. You know, if you have a relationship, the things that you don't agree on, you'll get over. You'll be able to come back to the net. You'll be able to come back to, to serve at the end of the day. And so it's not always perfect, but you have to have that relationship so that when you have disagreements, you can agree to disagree and move on and do your job. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about doing your job. And when you can't do your job and serve your residents, because serving your community is doing your job at the end of the day. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be an author. Right? Hello. So tell me this, what excites you most about being the next clerk, city clerk of South Bend? Oh, so many things. What excites me the most is working with our council. I, I can't tell you, I, I'm a nerd a little bit, I'm a little bit of a nerd. So, I love policy. It must process. be a city clerk trait. Because my girlfriend is a, she is like, 
Oh, she is the nerdiest. Have you talked to Nicole yet? I, I think you need to put that on. Nicole, if you can hear me, girl, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you, I promise. I'm telling you, y'all, man, look, we were, quick story. We were on vacation and we pretty much hung out every day on the beach, right? Mm -hmm. We we go get ready to go home and she says, I was able to finish five books. And I'm like, I was laying next to you in the beach chair. When did you read five books? She was asleep and she was reading or working or one of the two. That's me, that's me. Like Pam will be like, I'm I'm turning my, my phone don't even exist. I don't even have a cell phone. Like that's her thing. When she's on vacation, she don't have a cell phone. Me, I'm like, well, you know, I might have to do this, so I'm going to write this, or I'm going to talk about this. So, yeah, I know. it's. I love policy and procedure. I love a good process, let me tell you. And I am excited to start by residents and, and, and go into our neighborhoods and talk to them and help them understand, like, how they can use their, use their, their, their voice to, to advocate for themselves, advocate for their neighborhoods. We all want good neighborhoods. We want, we want trees and we want all these great things in our neighborhoods, but how can I help you advocate for that? How can I help you advocate for what you need to see so that your quality of life is good? And so I'm just excited to, to really work with our administration and our council to, to push policy to better our city. That's what I'm excited about. I love it. I might love policy more than council does. I don't know. Uh-oh. She's a wonk, y'all. She's a wonk. <laughs> Watch out. She'll mess around and be coming for your seat. If you ain't careful, she a wonk. Right. No, no, no. I yeah. love it. I think you know, and I think the thing is, is that a lot of people don't realize how how policy impacts our lives and everything we do. Everything we do, everything we do. Which is why it's so important for for us to be able to engage our residents in the legislative process because it, it's for them. And every bill that's passed affects any kind of way. Any bill that's passed affects our city. Yeah. Yeah. And people think it, it don't, like I said, back to the original statement, people think it doesn't matter, but it matters more than anything. So you've been working in the office. So I'm assuming you're going to, you've been in the office, what, about eight years now? 2017. Oh, about did I miss that? You said that earlier, didn't you? I did, yes, 2017. How did I miss that? My bad, my bad. Because uh, I'm I'm trying to be the engineer, the the producer, and the, I get the, it. the, hey, the, you know, the interviewer. You got your thing going on, right? You got your thing going on. I get it, I get it. But <laughs> I learned very fast. I learned very fast in the office. I had great, when I came in in 2017, I mean, council and previous clerk, Karima Fowler, took me under their wings and really mentored me. And was like, if you want to succeed in this office, if you want to be here and make a career out of this, this is what you need to do. And you need to listen. And I mean, the mentorship that, I mean, they just poured into me. And I, I, this is why I'm here today. This is I, why I'm here today. I love Karima Fowler. And I think she's amazing. And I, I, I still miss seeing her around the state. But I think that's what you just the story you just shared is about what we need to be doing for each other. She left the ladder mm -hmm. down. Right. You yes, what absolutely. you didn't know, she mentored you into knowing. Um, and, right. and I think I think a lot of times folks want to hang on to their little perceived power so bad they don't realize that it's, it's not really power. And what you should do is share it so that, you know, when you get more people right. involved, it really is power. 
exactly. So I, you know, reaching out, reaching out to to the next person to offer them some support and show them how to um, navigate is beautiful. I'm, thank you for sharing that story about what uh, Karima did. So, so. Yeah. I think her all the time. I think her all the time. She's like, oh, Bianca. I'm like, no, I mean, I really appreciate what she has done for me because if it wasn't for her and her mentorship in office, yeah. That's what's up. She's she's one of the reasons why we're here. Yep. I love it. That is so what's up. Okay, so you've been in that office a long time. What's the, (laughs) we talked about what you're excited about. Uh, We talked about what your leadership style is like. But what are the things that you want to work on? Um, because you got to move everything forward. You can't keep it stagnant. It's yeah. got to move forward. So what are some of the things that you want to work on once you are elected? Oh, well, a lot of the things that initiatives that I would say that I would like to work on in office is engaging our Latino population, um, ensuring that our Latino population can access our documents, our translated documents. So. Part of our part of my initiatives are to are to ensure that we translate our agenda and council meeting materials in Spanish and any of the materials that we push out in Spanish and including our residents and, and including our other populations into the legislative process. And so and, and by engaging them, so that would make for us to go into the neighborhood. So attending our neighborhood meetings. The districts are all about neighborhoods and how to improve them. And if we don't have, if our residents don't have the access to come to us, then I need to take my council members into their districts and really get them to, you know, listen to their residents about what's needed and work together. And that's what it's about, working together. So the key in this, the key for me is building those relationships with residents and getting them to understand that this office works for you. I love it. I love it. Um, are there any and moving and also moving with the times? I'm sorry, moving with oh. the times is really improving our technology and ensuring that regardless of you know where you are or where you live, that you can access council meetings so that you can exercise your voice. So I don't know. I, I don't know about y'all. And again, I have to reference you know what I know. Um, in in Bloomington, sometimes they be having them uh, marathon meetings. Do y'all be having marathon council meetings that up in South Bend? Very rare for us. So on Dingus Day, I will say on Dingus Day, our meeting was an hour, less than an hour. It's because it was Dingus Day. Which rarely happens. But a normal council meeting for us is between 2 and 2.5 hours. That's The longest council meeting has been until midnight. I think I sat in one until like 2 a.m. And that's when I was director of policy and I had to come, I had to be in the office at 8 a.m. to push it, to to finish up the the flat file. So, I mean, that can be some lengthy meetings. But see, I I asked that question because you you mentioned that you are trying to make those meetings accessible to people. If they can't Mm -hmm. stay up to midnight, you know, those meeting minutes got to be tight. Those ordinances got to be signed. Um, I know you probably don't manage the like the 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 streaming part of it, but um, we do, we do. So the office currently manages the streaming piece of it. What? Yeah, they gave it yes. to the clerk's office. So, so we so the the current city clerk has a software that manages the 
the online version of that. And so they're recorded. So again, so that too, if, if you're not able to come to the meeting, you can view the meeting. And if you have questions, you can still submit those questions to the council. So it's important for, for we want our residents to engage in the live time meetings, whether it's virtual or in person. And if, if, a, if a resident is virtual, they can still exercise their voice on a bill or in privilege of the floor just by raising their hand and they can speak and the council will be able to hear them. And again, at any time, if, if residents have a concern, they can email the council or, or make a phone call to the clerk's office and, and that message will be given to the, to the council. So my, my goal would be to improve that process and ensure that any questions that are asked or any any need that is any needs that need to be met by residents go through a pipeline and and building a pipeline process that is checks and balances. I love it. I love it. So what kind of um I mean I know you talked about reaching out to the Latino community and I know you talked about engaging the community being helping the community be more civically engaged. But what mm -hmm. other little projects Cause you're a politician in a policy walk. So I know you got something else going on. What other things <laughs> fuel your fire when it comes to community service? Oh, wow. There's so many different things that we want to do. Some of the biggest things for me, um, if, should I become city clerk is, again, I'm all about residents and I'm a little nerdy about this, but it is, it is on my, my list to um, really build up um, our neighborhoods and really build up how we, and I keep saying this, engage with our residents. And I want to develop programs. I want to develop initiatives where we go into the neighborhoods and attend the neighborhood association meetings and hear from the residents about like what they need and what they want and build those relationships. I do. And for what will come out of that, you know, will come out of that. But the first start to me is attending those meetings and hearing from residents themselves, because again, residents can't always come to the meeting. And so you got to go to them. So finding ways to, to bring residents into the process. And, and that will start with me going in, going into their neighborhoods and bringing their council member with me to have those conversations. Um, for me, like in general, I'm very passionate about LGBTQ advocacy. And so, yes, working with, um, I mean, although our, our LGBTQ center is bipartisan, but finding ways to involve our LGBTQ center in the community and really providing that access and allowing, because we get calls, the, the city clerk's office gets calls all the time about everything. And so we wanna be sure that our LGBTQ community is a part of that pipeline. Yeah. Um, for when we have new residents come into the city, for those members of the LGBTQ community know that they have a place to go and that they have a, they have a connection. You know, I know um, that this, your LGBTQ plus center is bipartisan in name only. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I, it, listen, I posted this this week. Right. A law cabin Republicans is, is all about self-hate. I don't know what, 
I don't I don't get I don't get why you would be down with anybody that is writing policy policy want that that basically says right. you're a second class citizen. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Why did they? And, and the reason and, right no and the reason I say the bipartisan because I want to make sure that I acknowledge that when I mention their name because I don't want them to you know I want to make sure that you got what I'm saying. I got what you're saying. So, but also you know those are just. Those are some of my initiatives that I really want to bring awareness to. Um, a little bit about me as well is that I co-parent with my sister, my niece Lillian. Um, she is special needs and a joy to our lives. And I want to, I'm very passionate about accessibility um, for our special needs children. Yes. And yes, I'm, I, I mean, those are, these are the things that keep me up at night. I'm telling you. So I really, I want to just bring awareness to, to our community, to how, how can the city, how we as the city clerk's office can engage them in, in the legislative process and, and be accessible to them uh, for when they want to attend meetings or, or whatever their needs are. And we are an open city. We are a city that serves all residents. And so as we're developing our initiatives and what we want to do when we get in the office, you know, for me, it's about serving all of our residents and meeting our residents where they are. I love it. And that that should be like the tagline for every Democratic candidate on the ballot this mm-hmm. year. Meet your constituents where they are. Stop Absolutely. expecting folks to come kiss your behind because you on the ballot. Stop it. I, I right, met, I, right. I, I've met I've met some of those candidates. I've met a f- few of them. I mean, I, I come in contact with Democrats regularly. <laughs> But, but you know, we 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 have we have to we have to meet our residents where they are. And my five years in the clerk's office, you no resident is the same. And mm-hmm. you have a resident where we don't we might not provide the service that they are requesting, but we can walk them to the office, or we can we can be kind to them because you never know what someone is dealing with when they come in the office. I love it. You know, you and the know. thing. You know what? The the first time we talked, I I do believe we were on, on our Zoom call for probably over an hour and a half, we were. um, just shooting the just shooting the mess. And here it we is, were. already six fifty six hour time, yeah. right? Right. I know our time is already up. You, our, our energies and our vibe is just it is what it yes. is. Pam and Nicole need to come on, get on board because we about to chop it up I no know. matter what. I know. You we know need what I'm to saying? Like, I, I, Seriously, I, I I've straight up felt your vibe, like you know, and then you rock with my girl Ariel. So you know, yeah, I, shout I, out I, to Ariel Brandy. Always, always shout out to the baddest <laughs> chick in the game. I don't mm-hmm. care what nobody says. You know, <laughs> I think I'm pretty tight, but I am no Ariel Brandy. <laughs> I am no Ariel. She has Brandy. been she has been a huge help to the campaign and, and for me as a first time candidate. So what's I up, Ariel? It. All right, I love it. All right, so uh, tell the people where they can find you. Absolutely. So please check out my website, uh, BiancaTorado.com. You can check me out on Facebook and IG, uh, Toronto for SB City Clerk. I love it. And do you have any fundraising events that will be coming up? We are all about canvassing right now. We are, we don't have any fundraising events coming up, but you never know what could happen between now and the primary. Um, but please uh, donate to us on on Ask Lou. Uh, Diana, you shared our link, so please 
you know, hey, this takes money and support and we need that. Um, and what we're working on right now is just voter engagement. So going into our communities, going to the going into the district, knocking on doors and talking to residents about why I'm the best candidate. I love it. I love it. And you are very engaging and I appreciate that you stepped up. You know, most people want to challenge incumbents. And um, but but when I heard Congressman Carson one day, he had a primary opponent and he said mm -hmm. competition is good. And that and he said that in our Marion County uh, Democratic yeah. Convention. And so I, I, I take that to heart because here's someone who is an incumbent, been in office for a while, and he still welcomes the competition. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And it keeps it keeps it relevant. It keeps it keeps the the campaign, you know, on its toes, right? Well, but more importantly for me, when there's a competitive race, people turn out. Yes. People pay attention too. All right, Indiana's on Dana Black talking to Bianca Tirado, who is running for South Bend City Clerk. If you liked anything she talked about today, please, please, please click on her act blue link and donate to her campaign. Find out when you can go knock doors for her. The whole goal of this, this show is to get you to fall in love with these candidates so that you can help them out. When they come through the primary, you'll be rocking ready. If they come through the primary, who's coming to the primary? It's a Democrat, so it don't matter. Um, this is a way for you to find out who these folks are so you can figure out how you can help and be a part of the um, political process. Indiana's on Dana Black, turn left. All right, guys, straight up. Indiana Stonewall Democrats have already told you to mark your calendars. Saturday, June 17th, we will be having our party pride. I will start sharing a link so that you can get your tickets. But uh, all of the money that we raise, all of the contributions that we receive go toward our endorsed candidates. We write them a check. We don't, ha we don't have any administrative fees. We're all volunteers in this game. We don't, we don't have no, we, we're not getting paid, but what we do is we raise money for candidates so we can stop things like SB 480 from getting through the state house if we get the right kind of folks elected. And we do, our endorsed candidates are either LGBTQ plus candidates or our allies. We cannot do anything Absolutely. without a good ally. So I need y'all to understand that we do also support our allies. And before I hang up tonight, y'all, big up, big up to my girl, Zanae Brooks. Who yes, is now the new Indiana Democratic Party Executive Director? I, I was saving that to the end. I was saving that to the end. Zanae Brooks, congratulations. I am here for that. I'm putting yes. the word out. Whatever she needs from me, she gets. Oh my God. I let me tell you something. Meeting her while she was campaigning, she had never ran before. She ran for a statewide office. She traveled the state and she mm -hmm. saw what our party needed and how we could be better. She didn't, you know, she, she couldn't look, she ain't stressing. She got a whole man <laughs> who's a minister. She's a first lady at a church. She works at Cummins. She didn't need this. She wants this. She wants right. to serve us and she wants to lead our party into the future. Congratulations, Mike Schmuel, on making an amazing pick. You're another one of your South Bend homies. Zanae Brooks is, is, the, is that woman and I am super duper excited that she's going to be the executive director of our party. Y'all get ready, get ready. We about to have a funky good time. All right, Indiana's on Data Black, turn left. I will holler at y'all next week. Peace.
Turn Left is the property of Black Pearl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com.